Well, this morning, we've read already the scripture passage that we're going to have, Luke 2, 8 through 20. And I'm going to read it to you again. Many of you already have it memorized, so, <clears throat> uh, but it never hurt anybody to hear the same words, the same good and true and wonderfully hopeful, convicting words once again. The good news of the birth of Jesus Christ as it was first announced. And we're going to learn from the shepherds. The shepherds are uh, the group of people that it was first announced to, which, just like the birth being in Bethlehem, which is a podunk little town in the middle of nowhere, and that's kind of surprising to have the king of the universe born there, So, it's also surprising for the news to be announced to shepherds. So, that's what we're going to study this morning, learning what we can from the shepherds. So, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Once again, Luke 2, 8 through 20. And instead of using the normal version that I always preach from, I'm going to say it from the King James Version because that's what I have it memorized in. And You know I would mess up every line if I tried to read something that it was different from how I have it memorized. So, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
Okay, so we learned a lot of things from the shepherd, from the shepherds in this passage, but you might not know all of them yet. The first thing, kids, are you paying attention? The first thing we learned from the shepherds is to make sure to go to work when you're supposed to go to work. They were out in the fields at night keeping watch over the flock. Now, that's not a fun job, just to be clear. How many of you ever had a job where you had to work nights? Anybody? Okay, several people. Is it, is it enjoyable to be on the opposite schedule from everybody else? No, definitely not. But can you imagine being the guy who skipped work that night? Called in sick because he was sick of it. When you're supposed to go to work, you go to work. You do your work, right? And God blesses our faithful work. And that's one of the things that we see here with the shepherds. You might think I'm stretching, but I'm not. This is just, this is just an outlandish blessing that comes from going to work and doing your job, right? And that you don't normally get outlandish, crazy blessings, but you do receive the blessing of God from hard work. He's set the world up so that going to work and working hard, we receive blessings from that. So go to work when you're supposed to go to work and work hard when you're at work. But yeah, being the guy that missed it that night, 40 years later, they're like, I can't believe it. Can't believe you weren't there that night. The shepherds were faithfully doing the work God had given them to do, watching over the flocks by night. And so should we. That's the first thing we learn from the shepherds. But it certainly isn't the main point, right? Certainly, there are much more important things that we need to remember and learn from the shepherds. And because I'm only supposed to have three points, that one isn't one of the points. That one's just a freebie. Okay. So the shepherds are at work, and this messenger shows up from God. Now, that's all that angel means, okay? Angel, the the word is messenger in Greek. So, a messenger shows up, and it's a messenger from God. And I don't mean to say that this wasn't an angel in our, you know, as as we think of angels, but but it wasn't an angel as we think of angels. Because we think of angels as these pretty cute little things that are adorable and decorations. And if they were alive, they'd just be bigger, prettier decorations. Right? But anytime an angel shows up in the Bible, you know what happens? People don't go, aww, isn't that cute? Doesn't that make you feel good seeing that cute decoration? No. Every time an angel shows up, people are scared. And that's what happens here. This messenger 
shows up, <clears throat> and it's obvious the shepherds knew who this guy was, a messenger from God, because it says, and they were sore afraid. They were sore afraid. So this is our first lesson, actual point one, from the shepherds. Fear. Now, the Greek for they were sore afraid is three words. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave out the first one and listen to this phobon megon. Now, you know phobia, right? Arachnophobia and all that. Phobia, that's where we get phobia from. Phobon. And megon, like, that was a mega fun time we had last night eating cinnamon rolls. Big fun, right? Mega means big and phobon means fear. They were sore afraid. And so... <clears throat> Sore afraid might be a little bit confusing. Newer translations say they were terribly frightened. That might be a little bit easier to understand. I don't know Greek well enough to say that I have a better translation. But mine goes something like they were all wishing they'd brought a change of pants with them to work that night. They were terribly frightened. Why were they so scared? Well, to start with, there's a guy appearing out of nowhere that's scary. Have you ever had a guy appear out of nowhere? Would you be scared? That's scary. But is that why they were afraid? I don't think so. Not shepherds. See, now this... This gets at their job. This gets at their work. They were there to protect the sheep from thieves and wild animals in the dark. That was their job, was to not be scared of guys showing up out of nowhere. Or animals. Dangerous animals. These are guys who have what it takes to go out night after night after night and face danger. Face boredom. Face sudden action being necessary. Because if they don't, they lose the sheep. They weren't likely to be afraid just because somebody snuck up on them. They're afraid because this wasn't just any old messenger. This was a messenger from God. And different messengers produce different responses in us, don't they? If your secretary at work walks in to give you a message, that's one thing. Messenger. Right? Oh, I got a message from you, for you. Here you go. But what if your son or husband is deployed in Afghanistan? And a messenger from the army shows up at your door. It's a different kind of messenger, isn't it? 
the response is therefore going to be very different. The moment you see the messenger, you see the messenger, this is your secretary, oh hey, look back at your desk, keep working, you know, thanks, okay. See the messenger before they say anything at your front door? Very different response. The greatest dread you can imagine the moment you lay eyes on the officer on your doorstep. But not a second's thought for the message at work. <clears throat> and part of that is because we know what the message is likely to be, don't we? I'm sorry, but your husband has been killed. Versus, Bob called, he wants you to call him back. We know the messages are going to be very different, don't we? The other thing about messengers is that it matters who sent them. You kids know this. If your brother comes outside while you're playing and says, you got to come inside right now. How do many of you respond? How do you respond? Go ahead. Who, yeah, that's right. Did mom say? Who, who said? You say or did mom say? Who is this a message from? Right? It's an important piece of information. If he's just saying that because he wants to use your skateboard and you're using it, forget about it. But if he's saying that because your mom sent him out to tell you, well, that's a message with some authority. And you at least ought to be scared to ignore his message. And there might be a little bit of fear about what it might mean on the way past. Am I in trouble? Did she find the hole I made? Right? You, if you know whether you've done, you, you've got a list of things in your mind that it could be. Like, oh, it's, it's probably just I'm supposed to set the table. Okay. But if there's no explanation, why is she calling me right now? Hmm. What is this message likely to be? Who is it from? What is it likely to be? These things matter, don't they? This messenger that was sent to the shepherds was from God. And so now you should begin to understand why they were so frightened. They thought they were in big trouble. The message came from the presence of the Creator to sinners. What do you think their expectation was? They expected to hear about what they had done wrong. How could you not expect that to be what you would hear from a messenger from God? That they were about to be judged by the most holy, pure, sinless, and all-powerful God who cannot abide sin in His presence. And so they expected terrible news. From the one who created them and then commanded them to be holy. 
Is this inappropriate fear? It's actually not inappropriate fear, is it? This is exactly how we should feel about God. We're commanded all through Scripture to fear God. Deuteronomy 10.12 says, Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear the Lord your God? To walk in all his ways and love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And you add those, that last bit onto the fear at the beginning, right? And all it does is compound the fear because we know how we have not walked in all his ways, loved him, served him with all of our heart and with all of our soul, right? I mean, so you hear fear him and it makes all the more sense when you hear the rest of the command. Or Psalm 33, 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Proverbs 3, 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Or Deuteronomy 31, 12, assemble the people, the men and the women, and children, and the alien who is in your town, so that they may hear and learn and fear the Lord your God and be careful to observe all the words of this law. So, isn't it interesting the way that fear actually inspires us to greater obedience? Fear of the Lord means that we have greater desire to obey Him. And so with these kinds of commands sprinkled all through the Bible, it should not be surprising that these men are terrified. They recognize, as we should also, that none of us has been obedient to God's law. Each of us has been disobedient in so many ways. And if you think you've been doing all right, then let me read what Jesus had to say about keeping God's law. <clears throat> From Matthew 5, You have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, You good for nothing, shall be guilty before the supreme court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. And a few verses later, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Therefore, again skipping a few verses... You are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We completely underestimate God's requirements of us most of the time. Most of the time. But when an angel from God shows up, now all of the sudden, you're rewinding quick through the day, right? 
Now all of a sudden, the shepherd sees somebody who has been perfectly obedient, an angel of God, and they're scared. They recognize a holy being, sinless, straight from God's presence, and with God's glory shining all over the place. For the first time, they begin to understand what it means to fear the Lord. And so we should learn from the shepherds to fear the Lord. Each of us here has a lot to learn about fearing God. But some of you here today do not have any fear of God. Oh, you might believe in God, but you don't fear Him. Everything about your life is self-centered in an attempt to get what you want. You don't care for his rules except insofar as they prevent you or help you to get what you want. You don't love him and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. You honor your father and your mother only enough to keep from getting kicked out of the house. You curb your anger only because it has embarrassed you in the past. You submit to your boss when he is watching so that you can get a promotion. But when he isn't there, you cut corners, ignore his instructions, and talk about how annoying he is. Maybe you fill your eyes with every sexual perversion and you hide it only because you don't want your wife to leave. It might be that you've spent your whole life in church. You might have had godly parents that raised you and taught you right from wrong before they taught you right and left. But listen very carefully. If you do not fear the Lord, you are living in rebellion against Him. You are His enemy. In Matthew 25, we read, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Those words should cause each of us here to fear the Lord. They should awaken in us a great desire to be on the right side of that division, that separation. To know whether you are a sheep on the right, blessed of the Father, or a goat on the left, about to be cast into the eternal fire.
this morning might be the first time that you've begun to realize that God is holy and you are not. Some of you can probably best be described as afraid that you do not fear God. Because you heard your own sins described earlier. You know how far you are from fulfilling God's law. Some of you have been struggling with this question for some time, maybe for years. How can I, a sinner, be forgiven by God, the righteous judge? I remember speaking with one man. And he said, oh, I know I'm going to hell. He was confident in his answer. And I said, really, why? He said, well, things I've done. I mean, if you knew the things I'd done, you... I said, so, what I'm hearing from you is that you aren't good enough to go to heaven. And he said, how could I be good enough for the Creator? It only, it only takes one thing that's not what the Creator wanted and you're not good enough, right? Some of you are artists. You know the perfectionism of what you're creating, wanting it to be exactly what you want it to be. Right? You work at that painting and work at that painting and work at that painting. Work at that composition. Work at that composition. Work at that composition. The author of the Aeneid wasn't pleased as he reached the end of his life with his work. It wasn't perfect. And so he said, in his will, burn it all. He was the creator. Burn it all, right? His life's work, the pinnacle of Latin composition, probably. How can you be good enough for the creator? One sin. Nope, not good enough. That man was closer to God than many people who grew up in church and were convinced that they are on the right side. Because he understood that there was a judgment. And there was a separation coming. And he understood sin. And what it was that the Creator requires. Be ye perfect. That's what's required. Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Do you live 
in godly fear of the Lord and love His commandments and still find yourself struggling in the ongoing fight against sin, discouraged by the difficult work, The shepherds that feared when the angel of the Lord came expected him to bring news of the righteous judgment of God, but they heard something else entirely. The message that God sent was exactly the opposite. The angel said, fear not. Now why in the world is my first point that we're supposed to fear if the angel says first thing, fear not. Because we're learning from the shepherds and the shepherds were not wrong to fear God. The only reason they have to not fear God is because of the news that the angel is bringing. Fear not because I've got a reason for you to fear not. I've got good news for you. Glad tidings of great joy, in fact. What is that news? What is that joyful tidings? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, so that those who fear the Lord may be saved. So the second lesson that we learn from the shepherds is this. Hear the message and believe. Listen to what the messenger has to say and believe it. The angel of God is declaring that there is a Savior. And we can tell that they believed the messenger because after the angels left, they did something, didn't they? They went inside like they were told to. No. (laughs) They looked at each other and they said, well, let's go see. This is wonderful news. A child's been born. We've got the sign of how we'll know it's the particular child. And so, if it's your brother telling you to come inside, you have to decide if you believe him. Does he generally lie? Does it make sense for mom to call me inside right now? Is he always playing tricks on me? You might ask him some questions to see if he has a legitimate story. Mom says, mom's at the store. What do you mean mom says? Oh, she, uh, she told me before she left, you've got to go inside at, 347. No, it's not sounding legit, right? But if you believe him, in the end, you go inside. 
And if you think he was making it up, you ignore him and keep playing outside. The shepherds left immediately. The shepherds left immediately to go see this baby that was also their savior. They not only heard the message of the angels, they believed it. And so, if you want to learn from the shepherds, hear the message, hear the words of God and believe like they did. And what was that message? The message was that God, in order to glorify himself, sent his son to earth. He was born in Bethlehem to Mary. And he came to make peace between God and the men who fear him. It's the same message for us today because the angels said this message was for all people. That's you and me. It's a good message. Do you believe the message of the angels? The shepherds went to check it out for themselves right away. There is forgiveness available through Jesus who died for our sins. There is an opportunity to be at peace with your maker. Test the message and see if it's true. Here are some of the promises God has made. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Have you ever been close to a tornado? Anybody? Yeah. You realize the need of a refuge, don't you? When there's a tornado nearby. It's scary. And so you take refuge someplace safe if you have one. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in the Lord. That's Psalm 34, 8. The Psalms are full of these promises. I'm going to read several others now from Psalms. Psalm 115, starting in verse 9. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord... Trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord. The small together with the great. Psalm 34, starting in verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Can you imagine? You fear God and so he sets up a camp perimeter around you with his angel. 
and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Now, I already read this, right? You heard that verse just a couple. But notice how it's sandwiched on both sides with the fear of the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. On the verse before, encamps around those who fear him, it says. And then the verse after, for to those who fear him, there is no want. And so, what do we end up receiving from this messenger? What is this good news? It's the good news of there being salvation from our sins and from what they deserve from the hand of God. That God has rescued us not just from our sins, but from what He will do to those who sin. And so, the shepherds learned, and we learn from the shepherds, to fear the Lord, and then to receive the good news of why we don't have to fear. Now, is that crazy talk? I mean, it sounds crazy, right? I spent the first half of my sermon teaching you to fear and the second half teaching you not to fear. Is it crazy? Listen. Only those who fear the Lord can receive the promise. It's not hard to understand. Only those who fear the Lord cast themselves on His mercy. Because only those who fear the Lord think there's anything they need mercy for. And that's why they fear the Lord in the first place. And so, if you have no fear of the Lord, if your plan is just to say to God, well, you know, I did the best I could. If your plan after death and when you face the Lord, the judge, the righteous judge, your creator who has said, be ye perfect, is to say, well, I know I wasn't perfect, but you know, I was better than so-and-so. You have no hope because you have no fear of the Lord. But if the thought of that causes you to fear, the thought of facing God, then what you have is this message of hope and joy and gladness that God decided that he would save. And you couldn't ask for anything better. And so there's one final thing that we have to learn from the shepherds. 
The first was they feared the Lord. Then they heard and believed the good news, right? You can see it in the actions they take right away. And so, the third thing is what they did last. They left, having found the Savior just as God promised, having tested God's promise and finding it true, what did they do? They left glorifying and praising God. And how could you not respond with glorifying and praising God when you've faced the angel of the Lord and the thought, "Uh uh-oh, now comes the judgment. And instead he has said, unto you this day is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then you've gone and you've seen him. Aren't you going to dance on your way back to work? They left glorifying and praising God and telling everybody they met the wonderful news. You are not going to believe what happened last night. A Savior was born. That's not, they don't say, you're not going to believe what happened last night. It was so shocking. There was this messenger from nowhere. Can you believe it? No. A Savior was born last night. You mean a Savior was born? How do you know? A messenger from God came and told me. And I went and found it was true. He said there'd be wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, a baby in a manger. Can you believe? And, and, it, and we went to Bethlehem where he said it was going to be, and there it was. It's the Savior. They're telling everybody about it. Are you telling everybody about it? Because it's good news. It's wonderful news. Rejoice. Tell the world. It's for everybody to hear. Good news of great joy. As you go out from here, test God's promises of life and blessing on those who fear him. So many of you have been blessed greatly by God. Just think back to Thanksgiving. We have all kinds of blessings to be thankful for, don't we? We've, we've just been reading them. Learn from the shepherds and go out glorifying God and praising him for all the things that you've heard and seen that are just as it was told to you how it would be. And God has told you how this life is going to be, right? And so you can look at it and you can say, it's just what God said. He kept his promise. Tell everybody you meet what you've heard here today about Jesus. It's crazy good news. So let's celebrate it.